0: Welcome everybody. Marketing, management, money. Ethan made me promise that I wouldn't get off on too many tangents as we talk about <laughs> cash flow today. Never gonna happen. No way. He said he's like can we, can we like reel this one in a little bit you know keep it to maybe 30 minutes. And...
1: I'll believe it when the podcast is done and you haven't strayed.
0: <laughs> we're gonna talk about some cash flow. Uh, we're gonna take it from a little bit of a different perspective. So everyone talks about cash flow cash is king and uh, you know how you got to have cash to operate your business I don't want to go into that as much as I want to talk about some of the nuances with cash flow and the one that I'm going to kick it off with is uh, when you get into a startup business or when you get into a new project uh, when you're venturing into new territory, uh, what's the role of cash? And one of the mistakes that I see businesses make is that they try and get as much capital as possible. So they'll go out and get loans. They'll go out and get investment. They'll put their own money into the project. And the idea is always, well, get as much cash as possible. and And this is counterintuitive because cash is king and you want to have cash. And I'm going to argue that you actually, you want to have cash and not use it. Uh, And I think your point is, is that uh, cash has a
1: price. Yes. And so if you're not um, understanding the price that the cash has, then it can become expensive really fast to have extra cash.
0: Let's get specific on that. Why? Okay. Where is the price coming from? And, and why does it get expensive? All right. You fill in the blanks. Um,
1: so ultimately cash comes from pretty much three sources and some people argue to either debt or equity, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, I always throw in that third factor out there that's, um, not necessarily equity, but. It's in the form of investment. It can be coming from family or friends, and sometimes you don't think there's strings attached. So there's this weird weird mythical cash one that floats out there too. But generally with I, debt, I, debt and equity, I, if we stay focused on those two, <laughs> and then maybe we'll talk about the fairy money. So, so I always call it friends, family, and fools. Yeah. or you know. and, you know, and I've heard you reference it as subsidies as well.
0: Subsidy yes. cash, okay. yeah. which is probably a good way to put it. There's a subsidy cash that comes in as well. It has a price. And and the price on that one, and we'll just sum it up with this real quick, is your relationships. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I see a lot of people, and, uh, and here's the awesome. difference, because by definition, this still can fit into debt and equity. You know, debt that's is correct. basically money correct. that you borrowed that you have to pay back. Equity is money that's been invested, and they now have ownership. And you'll have all the time where, you know, like a family member will be like, here, you take the money that you need. I just, I, I'm investing in you. Right. A- and then there's no right. quote-unquote strings attached, but there still is some expectation. Uh, and so I don't know what I want to get into, the weird nuances of family relationships. That's not what we're talking about here. Uh, so, yeah, I, I am going to agree with you that... You know, like the price to be paid back on that is your relationships, keeping those relationships whole. But let's talk about the the debt and equity side of, All right, of so cash.
1: Let me lay out just the basics of debt and then you build on it. So, essentially, debt, you're taking uh, a loan or you're borrowing money. I'm just going to use a loan, mm-hmm. whether that's a bank or a private person, I don't care. But, and then you're, of course, then you have, um, just some interest on top of that, right? Yeah. So I pay it where it gets compounded or why it can be expensive. A lot of people think, well, yeah, I'll just pay it back. But if you take too much cash and you're paying the interest on it, uh, the problem is, is that we spend what we get. Yeah. Right? So uh, if I take a loan and I take more than what I need, okay, I don't just give it back and not so that I avoid the interest on the extra cash. No, I go, oh, good, I'll use this for this or I'll use it for that or I'll upgrade the piece of equipment um, to, you know, the Model 3 instead of the Model 2 and then I'll be more efficient in what I'm doing. So we spend the cash is the problem, okay? So now we're still covered. Now we still have the debt with the interest
0: that goes with it Um, So we because of that principle that we spend what we get. Yeah, so... I'm going to give a little bit of a story here that I think is fascinating. And this goes uh, way back to the very first house that I bought. Right. So we were newly married. We had our first kid and we were renting an apartment and we decided that we were going to buy a house. Well, I'm going to school at the time and my wife's only working part time because we just had a new baby and she wanted to be able to spend time with that baby we didn't make very good money at all. Like, we were we were the classic broke college students, right? So, um, I go into the uh, loan officer, and I tell them I had already calculated, you know, what we were going to spend on a house. And, and I gave him my budget, and this will date me a little bit. I told him that I wanted a house for $120,000. And he looked at me, and he's like, hmm. Good luck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Sorry, that's that's where it makes financial sense for us is at one hundred twenty thousand dollars is what we can afford." And so we went and shopped around in the area that we were looking, there were something like six houses that fit that budget. And we found one. It was actually in a really nice neighborhood, uh, needed a ton of work. Yeah. You know, because we were shopping so cheap. And so, you know, we, we gutted it out and did a lot of our own labor to fix it up and we made it work. We actually stayed within our budget. We ended up buying it for one twenty six. So I guess technically we went over by six thousand dollars. Yeah, but
1: that's in your budget.
0: You know, and so, uh, but as we were getting ready to close on that, I uh, I just asked the loan officer, I'm like, so I'm just curious, you never actually told me how much I qualify for. And he's like, you qualify for about $200,000. i am like, oh, okay, good to know. And I came back to my wife and I'm just like, there's no way I would have ever given $200,000 to a couple poor college students. You know with uh, just starting out no assets to their name, like why in the world but but that that your point is super clear though, yeah, that
1: if you would have went shopping for a two hundred thousand dollar home versus what you knew you could manage, you would have been over budget, you would have been stressed to the max, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have had any flex in your day, so much for your date nights or any other hobbies that you had
0: yeah and 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 that's how people treat cash in a business is they don't come to the you know to the bank or whoever the creditor is they don't come to them and say okay i've already run the financial calculations this is what i can manage to not put stress on my business they come in and they say okay how much can i get and then the bank gives them the what they can get and then they go spend it you know you don't see people if i you know if i qualified for $200,000 what house would i have bought a $200,000 oh, house. Yeah. What does the realtor ask? The very first question, how much do you qualify for? Yeah. They don't ask, what do you want to spend? They ask, what can you spend? Right. You know, and, and then they show you houses that are magically all at that price point. Yeah.
1: And, and that's interesting because that's, uh, my experience with a lot of people who are seeking funding is how much can I get? Mm-hmm. Not, based off this project or this piece of equipment or these uh, startup financials, what do I need?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's jump it back in. You know, we, we explained kind of the debt side of of cash and the expense is that when you get cash for your business, if you get too much, you spend too much, Um, which I'm going to, I'm just going to tangent for another quick second What do we spend it on? See, entrepreneurs always justify that they're like, oh, I need this equipment or I, you know, I need to have a bigger building to to run out of or, you know, like all of a sudden everything becomes a need. But the interesting thing that I always find is that they magically match their needs to the exact amount of money that they qualify for. And so I think to myself, is it really a need when you're magically matching it you know, I'm like, no, it's right. a want. It's a subconscious need, but it really is a want that, you know, you're justifying as a need to magically hit that number. So, you know, that that's one of the risks that I would talk about. Um, but the other thing that you pointed out is you're paying the interest on that. You know, and I look at like that mortgage payment, not only am I paying the interest, but I'm also paying the additional. See, using my example of when I bought that house, the reason why we went so cheap is not that I couldn't afford the mortgage payment. It's my utilities go up because it's a bigger house. Your remodel, Mm -hmm. you know, that all goes up. Uh, It costs a lot more to carpet a, uh, you know, a a 1200 square foot room as opposed to a thousand square foot room. And you know, every, everything you do in your house is more expensive Because you know, so it's got this compounding effect. The same thing will happen in your business. There's this compounding effect. So you're not only paying the interest, but you're also paying for you know all the extras that you're having, you know, for all those things that just keep adding up and adding up. All right, I'll let you bring it back in. I went off on a few things. You told me to supplement. That was way beyond supplementation. No, no, that's a
1: great example because that's exactly what happens. Is that you know the the nutshell of it is we we. We ask for more than we get, and then we spend more than what we need to. Mm-hmm. And and then all of a sudden, when we have these debt payments and we have one or two bad months, um, we're stressed to the max and we're trying to figure it out. Well, um, I, it just is, it is. You know, I, I don't know if, I know a very, very, very few people as their income increases, that their expenses don't increase.
0: Right. Right. And there's actually a lot of studies on that of, uh, you know, how people, they live exactly where their income is.
1: Well, businesses do the same thing. Yes.
0: Because humans are still the same.
1: Right. So so the idea is is that, yes, most business startups um, that I have experienced uh, could have taken significantly less cash and done just as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's jump back to the equity side of of, of cash, what's the risk there? I mean, if so, you're if you're getting investors, investors, like don't don't we want you know? I mean, I don't have the uh, interest payment. If I have more cash, I can do a bigger business. I can you know, I can I can expand faster. Like, what's the risk there?
1: Well, e- equities uh, is a pretty animal until it grows up. It's you know, <laughs> it's like a e- puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Or a baby lion. (laughs) (laughs) They're not so cool when they grow up. And the reason being is that in the beginning, yeah, we don't have, we don't have interest payments and we may not even have any payments we have to make on it. Right. Yeah. It's just money. Right. And yeah. So we give up some ownership. Okay. Which, um, I'm okay as long as you have the controlling ownership, but way too many people give up controlling ownership. Um, but Everyone forgets with equity, if it's, unless it's just your money being invested as equity, which that's another ugly animal in and of itself, even though a lot of times it does a lot of good is when I bring in equity from someone else, um, I bring in a partner Mm -hmm. and partnerships, uh, fell even more so than just a normal startup business. Yeah. Partnerships. It's not a
0: matter of, uh, If, it's, when. Yeah, yeah. It just, they always do. Well, and I want to clarify something here for just a second. We're not saying any of this is bad. It's like fire. Is fire bad? It can be. Right. But it also heats our houses and cooks our food. And so, you know, we're not saying don't use fire. We're saying read the safety labels first. Correct. And, you know, like, do you, do you just give your kid a lighter and say, Hey, go start a f-? No, you build a fire pit, you set your wood aside, you have a bucket of water right there ready, yeah. you know, if, if it's your furnace, even lighting your furnace, I mean, look at all the safety measures that are in place to keep that from going yeah. really bad. Well, and, and for you and I,
1: you know, anytime anyone even brings up the word partnership, the first thing we do is we say, all right. You need to read this document, right? <laughs> Here's, well, what is there, 70 questions or something? Maybe it's Well, and we just
0: did an episode on this yeah. uh, just a couple months back. Yeah. So if Here, you, you want to check that out. You need to go out. through
1: every one of these questions. Um, most of them are going to apply. A few will not. But if you can't address these questions, do not do the partnership. Yeah. Right? Because...
0: Uh, matter of fact, <laughs> and even if you can address those questions, that's not a green light. That's just saying, okay, no red flags now proceed with caution. Yeah. At, matter of fact, just in the last two weeks, I had a, uh, a younger kid,
1: um, going to go into a partnership, uh, with, a, another friend that he had known for years, um, that they had already kind of done some soft partnerships on. Um, but this time they were actually going to get serious and it says, okay. That, that's fine. Uh, here, I'm going to email you a document. Um, you go through this document. You have to be able to answer these questions. And uh, uh, two weeks after that, I talked to him just the other day. Uh, so how's it going? Did you get those things worked out? Yeah, we're not going to do a partnership, <laughs> right? Because that, as they both went through those questions, it started to say, oh, wait a minute, we, we have things we can't agree on and we it's going to be fractured. And Anyways, they said, you know, it, it's better to have one of us be an owner and employee relationship versus both of us investing in
0: equity. Well, and this is, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I want to bring this back for clarification. The reason why all of a sudden we're talking about partnerships, everyone's like, well, I thought you were talking about cash flow. Because if you get cash from equity, you have a partnership. That's right. And it, it automatically became a partnership, whether you put a founder's agreement in or place. direct or indirect. Yeah, like you are like well we never signed that we're partners and, and 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 it's it's just a it's a handshake like you know i right. i talked to my parents and they said that they just like what we're doing and so they're just going to invest some money in it and they said if it goes somewhere then you know just pay back what you can or you know we'll, we we just would like this to diversify our retirement you are now partners with your parents that's right and they have a controlling interest in the business, even if, because you mentioned that earlier, you're like, okay, there's formal control, but then there's informal control. And I think of a business that I worked with that the, uh, the one partner had a minority. They were like 10% or something. Oh, no. And, um, you know, they started splitting ways. It ended up in a lawsuit. And yep. the minority partner walked away with a good chunk of cash to get bought out because even though they couldn't make deciding decisions in the business, they had ownership. They had ownership, and the courts ruled in favor of them saying well they're they're an owner, you have to pay them out, and this is what it's worth, and it was very expensive to the business,
1: yeah, you know? so so. The inequity, that's why I say it's cute in, in the beginning, but when it grows up, it's, you know, like those horrible dog pictures you see on the internet. It's just super (laughs) ugly. Okay. And, and it's, and it, you know, and there are times it does work out. I'm not telling you not to, but we are saying, I, and I think you said it right, proceed with caution, make sure that you're following the safety, Mm -hmm. you know, recommendations and instructions that are out there because that's, what's going to save you when it comes to equity. Yeah. Now. Equity is another tough one because if it's your own equity, okay, um, because i I've been dealing with the uh, the back end of the baby boomers now, mm-hmm. okay, the tail end of those that are just finalizing retirement stuff, uh, want to take you know a lot of the retirement invested in something because they don't want to just sit around and and that's I'm always just like oh I hate this because you're going to invest your life savings with knowing that you have a 80% chance of failure. Yeah. Right? Where else would you put and invest your money if you knew that there was an 80% chance of losing it? You wouldn't do it. Right. But they do it all the time with business because
0: they're overconfident. And I should clarify uh, my personal view is I will risk, you know, I'll take on high risk all the time with play money. If 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 I lose it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If I lose it, it doesn't matter. And I'll take those risks because there are times where you have to take those high level risks. But don't be pulling it out of your retirement or don't pull out money that you can't afford to lose. If you're like, you know what? I've scrolled away $20,000 that's just mine. And I'm either going to go buy a boat with it or I'm going to buy a business with it. I'm like, well, either way, you're losing your $20,000. So if you want to do a business, go do a business. You know, have some fun. Yeah. But don't take money that matters. Don't be like, okay, this is our retirement. We're we're transitioning our retirement funds over to a uh, you know a business venture that has a, an eighty percent risk factor to it. Yeah. Um. So that
1: that's another ugly side of uh, of equity. Um. But the ugliest part is always when the business grows up, and it's been a few years now. Uh, someone's life changes and I want out of the business. Yeah. Right? I, I want my piece out of the business. I'm going to, my life has changed enough or I'm going to go chase something else. Um, at that point in time, paying debt would have been a lot cheaper than what you're going to pay now as a pound and equity
0: on the back end. Yeah, debt is cheap on the, no, excuse me. Debt is expensive on the front end, cheap on the back end. Equity is cheap on the front end, expensive on the back end. Yeah, and, and so they're both expensive. It's just now or later, you know, when do you want to, when do you want to pay up? And equity is far more expensive than debt ever will be, even to yourself. Yeah. You know, you've got to understand that, that the money to yourself is more expensive than than debt. Uh, that That's another thing. I'm not going to go into that because there's a whole thing on the difference between consumer debt and business debt. Um, but I'm not going to go into that, uh, you know, right now. I want to I want to stick with this cash flow, and I want to I want to I wanna make sure that we cover this because it kind of sounds like on this episode we're saying don't 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 don't. I want to jump into some do's for a second. Okay. Okay. So when you're looking at cash flow, it, you might have the impression that we're saying, hey, don't get uh, cash from debt, <laughs> don't get cash from equity. <laughs> you know, what we're saying is. Be smart with your cash. And so there are a lot of things that you want to do with cash. Uh, The first thing that you want to do is you want to give yourself tighter standards than you think. Make it more challenging for yourself to make your business run with as little cash as possible. So what I mean by that, if I'm looking at, you know, I've got option A and option B, and option A is going to use double the cash that option B is going to use, and if my justification is that, well, option B is going to be slower to market or option B is going to be, you know, it's going to require more work and more effort, I would take it. Take the the challenging, more challenging path that requires less cash because that's going to help you have a stronger business. Um, Now, if option A... By investing the cash, you know, like, I'll I'll use this example. I'm going to try and keep it more tangible and less, you know, like hypothetical. So if I'm looking at buying a piece of equipment, so we all know that brand new equipment is going to be the most expensive. So ask yourself, do you really need new equipment or could you get by with some used equipment? If the answer is you can get by with some used equipment, go with the used equipment. But should I buy a piece of junk that is like rusted and I know I'm going to have problems with? No. So there are thresholds at which, you know, you don't want to save a buck to, you know, a, a stitch in nine, yeah. a stitch in time saves nine is definitely good wisdom when you're thinking about, you know, using your cash. So use it wisely, but, you know, it's it's that balance, it's that sweet spot. Don't go for the max, don't go for the bottom either. Yeah.
1: And it and cash, like you say, cash is king. You know, when you run out of cash, you, you're dead anyways Mm -hmm. and and a lot of people think that oh great i'll just go find some other cash but that always has a price and generally when you're heavy and dead and you and you take on additional cash you know that's that's where real problems creep in but um but even on the equity you know if if, um, i can invest a little of my own money into it and i have that equity and i can do that you know uh testing of it test the waters on a few things to to know that I'm gonna get that return that I um, if I've done projections in good numbers versus if I haven't done any of that and I'm putting money into something, uh, that's a red flag. But if I have done uh, some projections and now I'm doing a test of it, um, and as everything's looking positive,
0: invest. You know, do the rest of the equity investment. So, so I want to sum that up in saying, and this is another do, use cash that has the fewest amount of strings attached correct and and that can be so a lot of times people look at it and they're like oh well my aunt said that she would give me money and you know she said whatever I'm like mm, are there really no strings attached right. or is it just that you didn't talk about all of the what if scenarios uh, you know so if, if you can use your own cash if you can use cash that doesn't matter you know you can risk cash That's, that's always the better way to go than, you know, and then don't tie up someone else's cash that you wouldn't tie up on your own. I'm not opposed to getting investment or, you know, getting someone else to, you know, put money into your business, but I hate, hate, hate when I see an entrepreneur, they've got, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars that they have access to of their own money, but they won't use it. And I'm like, well, why won't you use it? Well, because I don't want to lose it. So, you're willing to lose other people's money, but you're not willing to lose your money. Like, that seems very hypocritical and double standard to me. And so, just as, as, you know, ethical and moral obligations to cash, like, don't risk other people's money if you're not willing to risk your own money. I don't mind leveraging, you know, and getting other people to invest in something you're also investing in. I think that's great.
1: So, let's talk just in the, uh for a little bit about subsidies and fame money because uh it has a really, really high cost to it, mostly because of the scenario that it generally plays out mm-hmm. in. Um that most people don't realize it's happening
0: um until it's too late. Yeah. So when we say subsidy, we're talking about something that in the normal open market you would have to pay for but because of typically a relationship, you're getting it for free. So labor is a very common one. You know, you, you have a, a spouse who is going to do the bookkeeping for you. And you're like, oh, that's great. And you're not paying your spouse. They're just doing it. And you're looking at that and thinking, well, yeah, they're, they're supporting me in my business. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with this. The mistake is in not acknowledging that there should be an expense associated with that that the labor costs of having those bookkeeping services does add up and you should factor that in if you're running a business out of your house then you need to recognize that you should be paying some sort of rent but you're subsidizing it because you're running it out of your house and so and you can't survive if you pay the rent yeah and so that's where the issue is, is if you're so close to the wire that it's not going to make sense if you were to treat this business like a business, then you're still not there yet. And, and, and don't, you know, like, don't go hire a bunch of employees and still not pay your spouse. <laughs> you know that that that's what i'm saying is i'm like if if you're getting free labor from someone and they're you know they're sticking with you through the thick and thin and then you go and hire a whole bunch of other people and still get the free labor from this person you yeah. don't understand your cash flow you don't understand where your money is really coming from and going in your business you know take care of those people first then hire on the next people you know and oh i'm going to i'm going to back off because i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to just <laughs> rant <clears throat> so
1: uh, cash, like I say, cash, if it's not, if you haven't done your homework on the front end, it will always be expensive on the back end. Yeah. Uh, it just always is, uh, cash by nature, um, is unforgiving. Okay. And, and mostly because it, it always almost, well, I don't know of any time that cash doesn't affect other people, whether that's a bank,
0: whether that's a partner, whether that's a spouse, um other family. And I think that's smart to acknowledge is that it's not just you. Everyone thinks, well, this is my business. And I'm like, it's not, never is. Yeah.
1: Anytime there's cash involved, it almost always involves someone else. Even sales, the simple concept of sales, it involves someone else in the relationship in order for the cash transaction to happen. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, 99% of the time I, and we're not going to go into the details, but I can think of, one or two rare occasions where cash doesn't affect someone else. Cash, uh, by by general rule, always affects someone else. And are you uh, making sure to weigh out, as you say, that
0: relationship of war of that cash transaction? Yeah. So I want to add, and this will be kind of my wrap-up thoughts, because this one, if you're taking care of this one, everything else tends to line up in place. Uh, it's not a guarantee you still have to work at it. But uh, I, I've personally never seen a business that has followed this simple rule that has had significant or ongoing cash problems. They'll have moments where cash is more uh, challenging. But this simple rule right here is, uh, you know, like it, it, it alleviates the majority of cash problems. And that is you need to have, and I'm going to put out the number two months, Uh, you need to have two months of cash backup. Now, in your business, that number is going to vary. And so the reason why I'm putting out two months is because that's kind of a good average. There are some businesses, they need four months or six months, you know, depending on what your payroll is, depending on what your, you know, AR and inventory are, you might need significantly more. But the point is, businesses that have the discipline to keep that cash reserve and look at that cash reserve before making purchases, before making investments, when calculating forecasting, you know, when you look at that cash reserve, that that shows that, okay, you at least understand the role that cash plays. But businesses that all they want to look at is they just want to say, do I have cash, do I not have cash? And that that's the flip side of the coin is just do I have it, do I not have it? I'm like, mm, no, have a cash reserve, understand what the cash reserve needs to be for your business and stay by it.
1: And a good rule of thumb is understanding at least two of your cash cycles
0: for your cash reserve. And that's why I was going with the two month yeah, is I, a lot of people are on a monthly, Yeah, but I, I'm months, glad you clarified that because but your cash cycle could be different. But
1: if you deal with some contracts that are 60 days. Right. Then you really need to
0: have 120 days of cash reserve. And it's interesting because ever since inflation really took off recently, people are, you know, like businesses, they're wanting to extend their payment terms. Like that's one of the things that a lot of businesses are moving to, to regulate their internal cash. And so if you deal with, you know, big companies, you might all of a sudden be getting requests of like, hey, we want to go from 30 days to 60 days to 120 days. Like I've been hearing businesses that are struggling with this. They're like, I've got big accounts that are coming back to me constantly wanting to extend their payment terms. Well, and if you deal, well, like anything in the
1: healthcare industry where you interject now federal government because of Medicaid, Medicare and billing and things like that, uh, that's, I mean, so... You need to understand who, you know, what your cash cycle is. Healthcare, yeah. government contracting, yeah. you know, any uh, of these. Some even large private corporate contracting
0: uh huh, um, can be drug out. So if, if you got some grant money from COVID and now all of a sudden you're trying to regulate the cash flow on that. Yeah. Like there's a lot. So we went over 30 minutes. I apologize, Ethan. No, it's all good. Okay. But we'll wrap it up there.
1: Sounds good. Thanks everybody for joining us today. Hope we uh, shared some good insight to help you better manage your cash.
0: Take care.